You're listening to a podcast in New Covenant Church. Join us online Sundays at 10.30 a.m. We're going to be in 1 John 4 today. We're going to be uh, looking at verses 7 through 19. And before we jump in there, uh, I thought, you know, with everything going on, there's so much emotional uh, gymnastics that we're all doing because we read the headlines, we watch the news, we look at the internet, uh, we see so much negativity, and every now and again, something joyful pops up. And uh, you might have seen this already, but I wanted to share it. And this is uh, the story of Coco. She's a 15-year-old girl who has been fighting cancer over the last 10 months. And this was uh, recently, this last week, was her last day of chemo treatment, which, you know, is challenging under the best circumstances. Forget about during uh, this coronavirus outbreak. And usually when you finish chemo, you ring a bell at the hospital, there's a big party, and none of that could happen because you just can't have all those people around. And so this is what happened when she left the hospital, got in her car, and was driving down her block to go home, this, this is how she was received. And you can see there was just this great reception of her friends, and they're all in their cars. They're being smart. They're honking. They're waving out the window. And it was such a surprise to her, to her family. And I thought, man, this is such a great story, such a great uh, instance of where love is being displayed, even within the parameter, the framework that we've been given, and uh, so great, so, such, a, such a hopeful story. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for these glimmers of hope in the middle of all this craziness. And I think what we're studying in First John is really helping, I hope it's helping you, it's helping me just process everything that's happening and how we're to respond with everything that's happening. And so I'm just going to read this at verse 7, 1 John 4, and if you have Bible at home, I encourage you to follow along in your own Bible so you can take notes, you can underline, you can circle, but if you don't, of course, the words of the text are going to be on the screen for you. And this is what John says. He says, Beloved, let us not love one another. Excuse me. <laughs> let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his, of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected within us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because he is so because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out 
fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. God, we just ask you to use your word to change us, to help us, to strengthen us. For today, for tomorrow, for the weeks and months and years to come, change us, God. Thank you for your word. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. We are thrown into just this new way of life right now. We're dealing with new categories, categories that we have not had to think about or deal with in the past. New terms, social distance, the category of high risk versus not high risk. Essential versus non-essential. That's a big one right now. What, what is essential? What are essential businesses, non-essential businesses, workers, activities? It's a challenging time. And one thing we are learning or forced to think about is really what is essential to us in our own lives. Forget as a city, as a country, as a world, but for us, what, what is essential? We're not taking for granted the essentials right now. I was thinking about, like, what are my essentials? The, the, the essentials in my life, of course, my, my family, my wife, my kids, my in-laws, extended family spread out throughout uh, our, our country. Food is always an essential, definitely for me, even in the best of times, but now in, in this season, we're confronted with what's the grocery store going to have? Internet seems to be really essential right now. Uh, thank God we still have that. Toilet paper, of course, has become uh, a funny essential to us. I realize how much I want to touch my face right now. I feel like touching my face has become a weird, essential thing. And even right now, I'm fighting not to like scratch itches. I know you're at home right now fighting that urge too. And really, I think one of the main essentials that has come up that I probably always knew, but it's being pushed to the forefront is just human interaction. It's so strange. Real interaction and I'm thankful for technology. I'm thankful we can do this. I'm thankful for Zoom where we can see each other and talk and engage. But I miss, I miss hugs. I know some of you are thinking like, Adam, you, you're really a, yes, I like, I like hugs. I like handshakes. I like interaction. And I think we've all come to this realization that six feet has never felt so far away. It's real. We're realizing how important human interaction is. We don't need social distancing in our lives. In, in life, really, we are built to have social closeness, to narrowing that distance. And the one thing that is so essential for human thriving and flourishing is the one thing that we can't do right now, and that is be together and, and, and engage in physical contact. And, and, and it hurts. 
And neuroscientists and psychologists are, are writing all over the place in articles. And there was one article in the Washington Post that was just talking about this, how they're worried how this, what this is going to do to us. Because when we're not around people, it actually hurts our physiology. We actually are less able to fight against viruses when we are isolated and when we're alone. And this one article even said, kindness is good for your health. Kindness, interaction, being with people helps us, and we can't do it. And so it, it helps us to realize we are designed in every way to live in connection with people. That's how we thrive. And so this isn't an introvert, extrovert issue anymore. Like, that's the big joke right now. Introverts are so happy. They, they finally get to be away from people. And extroverts are, are dying. And there are some hilarious videos out there of, of extroverts just communicating how hard it is for them right now. But even introverts need community, need connectivity. We need one another. And we need love. And that's everything that John is teaching us here, really, in this whole letter. And that's why we're four chapters into this letter, and we're still talking about some of the same things, right? We're still talking about love. And if you've been with us through this study, you, you might be like, Adam, I, love again? How can John still be talking about love? How are you still talking about love? Can't we just skip through this into some other things? Why is John back to this basic principle, The reason is because we never get past love. We never grow out of it. We never get to the point where we're like, yeah, I get it. Let's talk about some other things. No, no, no. The whole, the whole point of this letter is really surrounded by this one big idea of love. We're talking about being in the light, walking in the light. Well, literally, he makes the point over and over and over again that being in the light means love towards God and love towards others in radical, life-changing ways. I mean, love is the foundational theme of the message of the Bible, of the New Testament, and it needs to be the foundational theme in our life. We don't move on from it. We don't like, oh, I got it now, and now I move forward. No, because we never get it, not fully, not to the point where we stop talking about it and thinking about it and living it. Love, God's love, is our only hope. It's our only hope. And this is what we need now more than ever. We need hope. Not just for, for the COVID-19 issue, but for all of life, because this crisis will pass. And hope, though, will be needed again and again and again. And so John is helping make that connection for us to, to find our hope in God's unbelievable love for us. And so you might listen to that long passage I read and say, well, Adam, he doesn't even mention hope in there. Why are you talking about hope? I don't see anything about hope in there. And that's true. But he says something twice in these verses that I think is so important for us to understand. See, verses 10 and 19, those two verses, he, he says pretty much the same thing, just kind of in two different ways. He tells us that the most important thing for us to remember is that our relationship with God is not centered around our love for him, but what? 
his love for us. We need that to sink in. That's huge. That's hope. Because we tend to build our lives, we tend to evaluate our lives and and set boundaries up in our lives on what we love and what we don't love, what we want, what we don't want. That's how we we draw the lines around us usually. That's how we are just wired to live. We're selfish. And so with people, we say, okay, you're in, you're out. I like you. I don't like you. You're okay. Really love you. And, but often those, those categories that we put people in are all built around how we want to love, how we want to be loved. We've been social distancing long before COVID-19 came. It's just been on our terms. We push people off to the side and say, hey, six feet away at all times. I'll let you know when you can come closer. We'll see. If you do things I like, you're welcomed in. If you do things I don't like, I'm going to push you far away. And, and that's the problem with the way that we choose to love in life. And that's why this, this whole theme that John is pushing us to is so radical And it's supposed to change us. It's supposed to help us see things differently, that our foundation for what love is is not built around our capacity to love, our desire to love, our preferences. And sometimes we do this with God. We're like, God, oh, man, you're blessing me. I I love you. This is so great, and, and, and I want you more in my life. And then when things happen that we don't understand and that seem unloving. We're like, oh, okay, uh, I, I got to distance myself from you. I got to find a way to make this better. Because we like to think that our relationship with him is based around our feelings of love for him. But the reality is that our love for him only exists because he chose to love us. It starts with him, it's centered in him, it's rooted in him, it's the way we continue in him, and it's the way that we will end with him. And that's why we're still talking about love. That's why John is still talking about love. He understood this, and it's why he hits it so hard over and over and over again. Because every day, you and I, we wake up and we forget that truth. We forget it. Because we wake up, we open up our news feed, we start looking at the articles and we're saying, wow, I, this doesn't feel like love right now. Or I wake up next to my spouse and go, man, I, this doesn't feel like love. Or at my job or at the grocery store or at church. Our emotions take us all over the place and we build our lives around how we feel and ourselves and our categories of love, our categories of want, of desire. And then our hope turns towards those things. Maybe you're in a marriage that is not fulfilling your needs right now and you're just, your, your hope is in, there's gotta be someone else that can love me the way I need to be loved, that I can love the way I want to love. 
Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a job. And I'm not saying every relationship we just bite the bullet and and suck it up and drive on. No, I'm saying we need to evaluate what's going on inside of us and see where our hope is turning towards. Is it all just about me or is, is my hope built around something that is bigger? Let me give you an example. Like most of you, like most of you, I get anxious about everything that's going on. I, I, I look and listen and I'm seeing what's happening around and I, I can worry. Worry about, I have a family, I have a wife and three kids, a house, bills to pay. I lead this church We have people here who I I love dearly, all of our our church members and those who attend and all of you I I, I love and I I don't want to see suffer. I don't want to see get sick. I I want to see this church thrive. I want to see God move in this place and I I want... (laughs) I want us to get to the other side of all this. We have staff I worry about and care for. We have finances. And then the government comes and says, hey, we got this stimulus package. We're going we're gonna to help nonprofit organizations, and we're going to help individuals, and we're going to pump money into the economy. And I, I just tell you, my hope just started to turn towards that. And I started, it, I felt it calming me down. And I felt, I, I felt myself going, oh, okay. Maybe things are going to be okay. And honestly, not that it's, I mean, I think it's fine and great what the government is doing. I just couldn't believe how much hope it gave me. And and, and it's not good. The the stimulus money's fine. It's going to help a lot of people, I I think. I think it's going to help us as a church. I, I believe that and I'm so grateful for it. But it's not good that my heart got so settled by it. So I need reminding of these truths. I need to read this passage and say, listen, your life is not built around the, the comings and goings of your heart and your love and your wants and your needs. It's built around the unchanging, unwavering, amazing love of God. That's where my hope should be. My hope is not in what the government does or doesn't do. My hope is in the love of God. My hope is not in that I love him. It's not in that I have security or money or a job. Not that I'm healthy. Not that I'm seen as a great leader. Not that I am successful, beautiful, powerful. All those things can be fine, but that cannot be where my hope is. My hope is in this. God first loved me. And that's what I want you to hear today. Your greatest hope is in God first loves you, first loved you. That's the message of the gospel. That's what John is trying to help us with and why he's spending so much time here because we need constant reminding of this because every day we wake up and forget and we put our hope in one thing or another and God is saying, no, 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 no. Listen, your hope is in me. The fact that I loved you when you didn't deserve it, that I loved you when you hated me, that I loved you even though you continue to run from me. I love you. That's hope.
in the middle of crisis when it doesn't feel like love, when we can't feel love the way we want to feel it, our hope rests in God. We need, see our nature is to run towards the love that we want. Because we want it to look a certain way, feel a certain way, treat us a certain way. And we, we run to all the wrong places to find hope and to find love. And when we, when we find that foundation of love in the love of God in who he is and his character, when that foundation is strong, then we can start taking that love and we can do something with it. We can go out and love a world around us that is in desperate need because we know we're in desperate need and we know that we forget and then we realize others need to hear this and others need to, to feel that love. And that's John's whole message. Be reminded and amazed at God's love for you and then go and love one another. See, so that's the other side of this. The, the first there's two challenges here. The first challenge is to, to, to accept and realize God's great love for us and to trust in that and to hope in that, that. That's our foundation. That's hard enough. Now we're supposed to take that love and go love others with that same kind of love. And that is tricky. <laughs> Because our ideas of love usually are just way off. Or they just get applied poorly. And that's why this passage is so helpful and so necessary. That how we love needs to be so tightly connected to the truth of God's love. And John shows us that connection almost in every single verse that I read, from verse 7 all the way through to verse 19. He is showing us the connection uh, uh, from God's love and to how we love. I mean, he says, let's love one another, for, for, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God. This is love. God sent his son to save the world. I mean, literally every single line ties these two ideas together. And so what we learn from this and what we need to absorb from that is God decides what love is. He is the definition of love. Twice in what I read, it says God is love. God is love. That's huge. See, love is not, it's not, we don't say love is God. It's not that love is the most important thing. No, God is the most important thing. And he is the absolute essence of what love is. And so we learn what love is from him. He's the definition, not us, not movies, not reality TV, not our hearts, him. And so what I just, I want to do as we wrap up here is I want to help us to see how this provides a framework for what we do now. How do we go love? Knowing in light of the fact that God first loved us. We love because of him. We know what love is because of him. And so what we're going to do is we're going to show we're going to look to God to show us what love is. We're going to let him set the rules. And when we do that, we start to learn some things about love that can, that can help us love others 
and love them well. And it's going to stretch us. All right, the things I'm going to share are going to stretch us. It's going to be uncomfortable, but that's good. That's what we need. Last week, I talked about how love moves out from us. Love is moving. It's action. It moves outward from us. We, we get it from God, and it moves from us to the world around us. His love moves. It moved on us first, and then it moves out of us. And so here's just how I want to frame this. As we learn from that, that love moves, this is what we are going to take away. Love moves first. Love moves fearless, and love moves free. And if you could just remember those three things, first, fearless, free, first, fearless, free, it's going to help. It's going to help you as soon as you turn off this channel, this broadcast, this stream, you're going to be confronted with how to put this into practice. And I want to encourage you to write this down, to think about it, to talk about it with your family or whoever you're watching this with, or get on a phone call after this, get on a Zoom call, get on your text messaging, whatever it is, and start talking about how is this going to work? Because especially this first one, it is going to stretch you. It's going to, because it stretches me. Love moves first. This, I've already talked about it, right? In verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Everything we learn about God is that he moves first. He is the first mover. And so we see that as an example. We learn so much from him moving towards us first. He aggressively came after us. He didn't wait. We weren't asking, we weren't saying, God, could you please come find me? No, no, no. He found us while we were lost that's why we sing that song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was lost. I was blind. I was hopeless. But then God's love found me first. So what does it mean for us? It means we move first. Love moves first. If you truly want to walk in the light, walk in love, it means moving first. See, we like to wait, don't we? We want to wait for the other person to take that first step. We want to wait to be invited in, or we want, we want to wait for that person to show the right kind of remorse, or we want to wait for them to apologize before we love, and God says, no, no, you're building your, your idea of love around yourself. That's not what I do. That's not my love. See, that's not the love God showed us. God's love moved first on us, so don't wait. Don't wait for the other person. Don't wait for an invitation. Don't wait to forgive because you're just waiting on that person to really <clears throat> pay the price for what they did wrong. That's what we do. That is not first love. That is selfish, self-centered love. God is calling us to something different, something bigger. When you get in a fight with your wife or your husband or your coworkers or your kids, probably all that has happened this week in one way or another. Move first. It's going to hurt. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to cause you to die a little bit inside. 
But man, that is exactly what God is calling us to do. If there's anything that this crisis has taught us is that there's no time to just sit around being angry, not loving, not taking that first step. We move first, love moves first. Second thing is love moves fearless. He says it in verse 18, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Now, the context of that, I want to make sure we're clear, is, is that because of our relationship with God is based on his love for us, that we don't have to fear punishment from him. He loves us. He saves us. He snatches us up. Now, we, we're secure in that. We don't have to fear anything. He, he is strong to hold on to us even when we rebel against him. That's the the fear he's talking about. But I think there's an application that we can take from that and use to, to incorporate into our lives with one another. Don't fear taking that first step. We just talked about love moves first. Don't fear moving first. Be bold. Don't worry about rejection. Don't fear being taken advantage of. Sometimes we just are so, we don't want to go, we don't want to move first or, or take that step. We don't want to love because we don't think we're going to get love back. Or that people are just going to walk all over us and we say, no, I'm going to be strong. You're not going to, you're not going to fool me again. I'm not going to get hurt again. No, love is fearless. Love moves in a fearless way. Your identity is so secure in who God is and who he has made you. You're secure in Christ that that keeps us from fearing any of it. And if you're not loved back, that's okay because you're loved by God. See, you see how that connection is so important. You are loved by God. And so you might get rejected. You might be hurt. God calls us to love in a fearless way. We lose nothing by extravagant love, even if it isn't appreciated, even if it isn't reciprocated. That's not why you're doing it. Let me tell you this. Get rid of all the what-ifs in your life. What if... What if I get rejected? What if I get hurt? God is not calling you to live that way. He is empowering you to live for him and move fearless. And then finally, this is just the, the culmination, the, the message of the gospel. Love moves free. God gave his love to us. God gave his love to you. I love verse nine. In this, the love of God was made manifest that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Do you see that? That word made manifest, it means God showed it. He showed his love. He didn't just tell us. He showed his love by giving, by sending his most prized possession, his son, so that, and listen to this, so that we might live through him isn't that amazing? Jesus didn't just come, do his job, leave. He gave us, God gave us Jesus. He gave us his son to stay with us so that we could live through him. Freely gave us this gift, freely, nothing in return. Are you living through him? If you are, 
give that love away. It really plays into the other two, loving first or moving first, moving fearless. When we love, we give it away. There's no hook, right? Usually we, we love to get something back, right? Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show kindness to you. I'm going to love you so that you will show it back to me so I will get something in return. No, no, no. When we love, we give it away. There's no agenda. There's no hope to get anything back. And we do this not just to the people that love us back. We do this even to those who don't love us. We're going to love people who are hard to love. And I'm sure you're starting to think of those people rolling around in your mind right now, the people that you've for a long time been socially distancing yourself from. God is saying, maybe that's not appropriate. Maybe God is calling you to love them in a new way. It's what God did for us. He sent his son for us. Oh, church, imagine just what this kind of love will do to our lives during this crisis and after I believe God is giving us an incredible opportunity to live and to love during one of the most difficult times in our life. And so I just want to put two things before you as we close. One, if you don't know Jesus, the invitation is there for you to believe in Jesus. He says it in verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Believe in him, and you and him will connect in the most unbelievable way, and it will change your life. Believe in Jesus. And then two, for those of us who already have faith in Christ, God is calling us to love in a whole new way, to love first, to love fearless, to love free, Think on these things as we finish up today. Talk about it. Get practical with it. What's this going to look like in your home right now where you are jammed in together with maybe yourself, maybe your family, maybe friends? But then what's that going to look like as you expand that circle outward? Even in quarantine, what is it going to look like? Let's pray. God, we are, oh, we're so challenged by the love that you have for us. And that's, thank you for reminding us over and over and over again how much we are loved, how much you care for us, what you did for us. Let it affect us and change us so that we would build our lives around your love. And it would change the way that we view you, the way we view the world, the way that we interact with the people around us. We have an opportunity, God, to love so radically I pray you'd help us to think through what that's going to look like in the days and weeks to come. You are good, God. Thank you for this church. I thank you for everyone who's watching. I pray blessing over their life, protection from this virus. I pray financial blessing. I pray physical blessing. Oh God, help us.
We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in with us. Thank you for joining us. If you want to connect with us, there are links underneath uh, the YouTube channel in the Facebook uh, post here. You can click on those links. We would, of course, just continue to encourage you to give. Uh, God is challenging all of our faith right now in this, and I know that there's a lot of financial hardship and strain uh, out there. Um, God is challenging us to continue to press in and give, that he blesses as we do that, and there is no manipulation in that. We, we are going to continue as long as we possibly can to serve you in these capacities through video, uh, through our Made Whole devotional uh, episodes, which are released on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I would just invite you to join in with what we are doing. We want to know more of what's going on in your life. If you need prayer, if you need help, financial assistance, please let us know. There are links underneath all of uh, what we're doing right now to help you get connected with us. Check out our website, newcov.church. And I promise you, as we receive your in information, we will get back to you in the appropriate manner. We love you. We are here for you, and we are standing in this time with you. We are in this together. I hope that that brings you hope, but mostly I pray that you find abounding hope in the love that God has for you. We'll see you next time.